This is the Cherished You Podcast. I am your host, Rama. This is an evergreen content warning. Um, This podcast talks a lot about abuse and uh, trauma and surviving from both. Uh, We talk about narcissistic abuse. So please understand that if you are not comfortable with talking about those things and your mental health openly and honestly, maybe with not uh, so much polish, uh, this may not be the space for you. Also understand that uh, this ta- this podcast also tackles uh, societal issues of racism, capitalism, um, patriarchy, misogyny, whiteness. So if any of these I um, these topics trigger you, please feel free to leave this space and um, without comment and without any vitriol. Um, and that is perfectly fine for both you and I. Thank you. Welcome back um, to another episode of the Cherished You podcast. Uh, I'm so glad you guys could join me today. Um, so today I, I'm one of those people, and I've, I've mentioned this before, but you know, it never hurts to say things again. I'm one of those people that really likes to talk about what I'm in the middle of. Um, I. Um, I, I don't really do before and afters very well. Uh, I, honestly, I've never really been good at it. I know that when I first started coaching, I did weight loss coaching. And it was so weird for me because um, I I was at that point um, in an after. And I, um, I really hadn't done a lot of trauma work around um, my weight, my body. And um, but I had this before and after experience. And I, I remember feeling very self-righteous in my after, like I had somehow solved this puzzle and it would never be a problem for me again. So that's why I was equipped to help other people. And then when I gained the weight back and I realized that the weight was never really my problem, it was my trauma um, that manifested as weight and my habits with food and exercise and taking care of myself and all that stuff. Um, that was when I think I gained more compassion for people who do have a hard time losing weight, that it's not just about counting calories and, um, you know, working out or eating the right foods. Even that doesn't take care of everything, even though initially it might, like it did with me, you might have great success in that kind of context. But if if you have a, a repeated problem and it's the math just isn't mathing. It's because it's not about the math. And um, I also gained a lot of compassion for myself because I understood that, you know what, I went through, um, and I talk about this a lot actually on here, is that when you're healing, you do go through a narcissistic phase, especially from when you're healing from narcissistic abuse. There is, um, and that was, you know, my, my post weight loss um, in, in 20, it was like 2014, 20. 2012, 2014 was that it was that time period. Um, there, there's a lot of um, you, you do go through a narcissistic phase that if you are doing the work, you eventually do come out of. Um, and it's just 
it was it was it was right then actually it was uh, 2014 was when I um graduated med school and then didn't go forward with residency and I went through kind of another really dark period for myself and that was when I really when I came out of that dark period I realized that I really don't like before and afters I'm really good at um wanting to talk about the messy middle of things, trying to figure your way through something that seems really, really hard. I'm really good at that. I'm not good at before and afters. I'm not good in the before. I'm not really good in the after. And I think um, that works in a lot of lot of places. It also doesn't work in some other places because when I get to a natural um, ending of something, um, because I'm so used to messy middles, I tend to push myself into the messy middle of something else that's really huge. Um, this last year in 2022, I tried really hard that when I got to the end of something, and it happened for me around like August, so like September to December and most of January, um, I really didn't have anything really important that I was trying to work through. Um, there wasn't some really big trauma that kept coming up for me. There wasn't any um, really, um, really anything that I was actively working on healing. I was just trying to get into the habit of getting this podcast out. That was literally what I was working toward. And then when I started doing that, I was kind of happy um, for like the first time, really just showing up for this and this that being enough for me, not having to have any kind of like mental anguish or gymnastics that I have to work through um, to kind of have a messiness that I had to like explore. Um, so all that being said, I... I decided about a couple weeks ago that um, I was going to, every year I kind of, for like the past like three or four years, I've kind of picked one topic in my life that I was kind of over dealing with. I I was kind of over like just doing band-aids, kind of band-aid solutions on these things. And it was really ready to kind of dig into and really work through whatever my issues were with this whatever area of my life and kind of get the bulk of the work out of the way on it so that anything after a certain point in that year um it would kind of just be maintenance it wouldn't be anything super severe unless super some unless something super severe happened to have happened to me um the first couple of years it was around body image for me uh last year I did, um, I I worked on my binge eating and um, ironically kind of solved that for me uh, rather quickly. I realized that, um, you know, when I worked through some of my trauma around why I was binge eating, it kind of resolved itself. Um, And this year I decided to tackle money. Um, I'm not necessarily bad with my money anymore. Um, I've been, I kind of, I took a more responsible approach to how I manage my money um, quite a few years ago. It's been, um, it's 2023 now. So it's been about seven or eight years or so where I, like I, I, I had some stuff that happened before then that was really, really bad. And then I kind of, you know, kind of got pushed into a corner and had to just get responsible. When I moved uh, to Colorado, I 
you know, really had to, I was still kind of working through some of the stuff. Um, but then there was a point when I, um, I think it was around, it would have been around 2018. I think it was when I broke up with my ex-boyfriend. It was around, right, right around that time. Um, I, I stopped taking money from my parents altogether. Um, it was after, yeah, it was right around the time my car was paid off. And when that was done, I made, and I was, and I was making decent money at the time also. Um, but I, I knew that I wanted to be responsible with my money at that point. And I also was kind of over at the, at the time I was like, um, 34, 33, 33 or 34, 33 years old. Um, I was really over taking money from my parents. Um, and I wanted to be done with that. And I thought that, you know what, I'm making enough money, I'm living in a place and I'm living below my means enough where I didn't need to take the money from them that I was taking. Um, and regardless of the fact that they couldn't afford to give it to me. But for me, it was just like my car was paid off. And so that was like kind of like my financial tie to my parents really kind of ended with that. And I really wanted to um, get at, at the very least learn how to be responsible to learn to live within my means. And that's what I really started doing it. Is it later than most people? Yes. But and I'm going to talk about today as to why that is in the context that I am um, that I grew up with and then what I see with both myself and with my clients around money when it comes with narcissistic abuse because there is a huge tie between those two things. Um, and so this year what I decided, I was like, I'm going to, I want to heal the bulk of my money trauma. I have a lot of it. I know I do because I clench hard and I feel my nervous system contract and get ready to fight or flee um, every time it comes to making a big purchase, trying to figure out how to how to get things that I um, I want because I want to be able to enjoy my life and not feel like I'm constantly being like like I can only do just the necessities, but at the same time. Um, being shit scared of having unex large unexpected ex um, expenses come up or not feeling comfortable enough to ever spend money on a vacation. Um, I haven't gone on vacation in since, since, um, since 2018, I believe. Yeah, it was 2018. The last time I went, um, and all of those, oops. Um, all of, all of that to say is that I'm in the middle of this. So I will have, more maybe more clear thoughts in a in a couple of months and more defined language maybe a little bit after that but um in the event that there's anyone listening who's going through this or is thinking about this or um, maybe doesn't know that this is a part of their life um as always i'm just trying to shine a light on something that we all go through and it doesn't it it, it seems that someone maybe needs to talk about it in this sense. I personally have not seen, um, I spent way too much time on, on, um, s s watching things about narcissistic abuse and I don't see this come up, um, other than in the sense of like the control a narcissist has over their victims. But I, um, as someone who really kind of comes from the point of view of the, 
victim who's healing and wants to be empowered in their life after experiencing the trauma that they've gone through with a narcissist, um, I really haven't seen a lot of anything when it comes to money and the trauma that money, um, that we have around money. And um, that's really what I'm going to dive into. This will likely be two episodes. Um, I don't think I can get every, I have a lot of notes written down <laughs> about this and I don't know if I'm going to get everything in um, in one episode and I don't want it to be like a, a double length one because it's a lot of stuff and um, I like having my uh, average episode being like about 30-ish minutes somewhere around there. Um, I think that's a nice... Um, a nice kind of space to be able to digest what I'm saying and then be able to use whatever you feel like you need to use and not be bombarded with too much information because I know I tend to be uh, verbose. So anyway, down into the nitty gritty. Um, I'm going to give some background because I have actually worked through a lot of where my trauma comes from. I just haven't actively worked through my money trauma. So um, all that much um, other, um, you know, the last few weeks notwithstanding, so what what comes up with money a lot, and I've seen this over and over and over again, and you can see this with narcissists out in the wild, um, you know, in, 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 in media, in politics, in Hollywood, you'll see this a lot. But um, money is used as a weapon. It is constantly weaponized by narcissists to be used against their victims and really used against everybody, but to definitely against the ones that they're trying to exploit. And it's used, um, and because of that, it's, all, it's, a, it's a means of control. It's a way that they keep people in line. It's a way that they keep people within their circle. It's a way that they keep people beholden to them and to keep their secrets. Um, and that's also, um, I, like this is something that I talked about um, a while back, but that's um, also kind of a big thing that you see in cults is there's this connection of money and control that comes from the leader of a cult and in narcissism you know is a cult it's just another way of naming a cult it's just a cult of personality like that's really where the term come I think for me anyway that's how I interpret the term cult of personality is that a narcissist just kind of keeps you stuck in this circle where even if you wanted to get out, at the very least, people stay because they financially are not able to. It's the definition of being in an abusive relationship. Um, money, let's just understand what money is. Money is just not, uh, it's not just stuff, you know, that the thing that you use to buy things. Money is, money literally translates to food and shelter and generally all of your means of survival comes through money. And so when, when a narcissist is in the picture and they're controlling um, and weaponizing money against you, pretty much what they're doing is they're weaponizing your survival against you. And so what happens over time is that this the victims of, of narcissistic abuse usually what and especially if money is used and money's I've never seen money not used and with all of my clients with all of my, my own personal experience with me my siblings my my cousins my aunts my uncles like everyone especially when it comes to with, with my mother but um 
in f- other families that I've witnessed where I know one of them is a narcissist, the thing that is so prevalent when um, is that money is always used as a means of control. Always, always, always. Because it's something that's very, um, it, it's... Uh, it's substantial. It's kind of, and it's very, uh, it's concrete. Like to the, to the narcissist, it's a very concrete way of a measuring their worth. Your worth, like they are literally measuring their worth by how much money they have. And then their ability to use this measure of their worth over you to be able to control you is also incredibly important to their entire psyche and their entire way of being. And what I see happen is that in with victims of narcissistic abuse, what happens over time, and it doesn't really take much because against your survival is being used against you. Your means of being able to provide for your survival is being used against you when, when money is used, when, when money is weaponized in this case. Um, the, the victims tend to internalize this, the, this weaponization of money. They kind of, and they, and then, then they, they are traumatized by just money. Now, no longer are they just traumatized by this person. This thing that they need to survive becomes a source of their trauma. And the way that they internalize that trauma, the trauma of money, um, not to, you know, you know, I'm just going to put in a little insert here to the program called Trauma of Money. It's on my bucket list of things that I want to get certified in. Um, but that, just their Instagram account and their like their free information is fantastic, by the way. But anyway, um, when you internalize the belief that money is money is not just money, and this this thing that I need to survive because that's how capitalism works, they also internalize all the beliefs that the narcissist has instilled along with them along with them weaponizing the money you're not good enough to make money on your own that's what the victims start to believe you um you end up not taking action toward the things that you want to do because you don't believe you'll be a success at it and that's the only means by which you can measure um whether or not going toward your dreams is even worth it um you you also lose sight of what it is that you want to do. And then you just start doing things that will give you money rather than, is this something that I want to do? Because it, it's something that I'm good at. It's something that I like to do. It's something that's a passion of mine. Um, because you disregard all of those, all of the things that you like or you're passionate about in the exchange for something that will give you money because money is the only, you end up internalizing the narcissist belief that money is the only way that you can measure somebody's success. That's absolutely not true, which is, you know, which is great to, I think that a lot in a lot of the self-help area, we do, uh, there's a lot of work done about defining success for yourself. And I think that's an important exercise, but it's incomplete without recognizing that we got to the place where we use money as a measure of success because all the narcissists around us have told us that that is how you measure success. It's not by how happy you are. It's not by how fulfilled you feel. It's not about um, how passionate you are about whatever it is you're choosing to do. All of that is fine as long as you have the money to quantify that all of those things are like what makes those things valid. Because without the money, if you could be fulfilled and happy, 
who the fuck cares if there's no money against it? And again, this is also why I like this is also why I talked about capitalism being the head honcho of all narcissistic trauma because capitalism is what defines that money is how you define success. Money is what is the the barometer that you use to define whether or not you have lived successful life. But how many people do you know that are rich but are completely unfulfilled with their lives? It happens every day. It happens all the time. You can be a billionaire and still be a victim of, tra- uh, of money trauma. You can still be dealing with a lot of money trauma and have billions of dollars at your disposal. One is not independent of the other at all. And I'm going to go into that probably in the second in the second episode of this one because that's a whole ball of wax all on its own. But what I'm trying to get across is that when it comes to money and narcissistic abuse, there is this incredible link between those two things that eats away at a person's self-esteem to such a degree that they are not able to really take active steps toward the life that they want unless it's measured by, unless it includes having a lot of money because that is the measure of success. And it is, it's actually kind of really hard for me to see. I've seen this to people that I love in my life. I've seen it happen to myself and I've seen it happen to clients. And each time, no matter who it is, I try to make sure that, like I knew, at least with myself, I know that I go through a whole self-hatred spiral before I come out onto the compassion side. I'm, again, one of those things that I'm working on, but when when I do see it in other people, I'm able to tap into my empathy and compassion a lot faster than I am with myself. And what I always am trying, I am trying, I try to be cognizant of is that most people don't know what they're doing is a result of their of the narcissistic abuse that they experienced. They really do separate those two like the money trauma and then the trauma of their uh, of the abuse into two separate categories. They don't see how they're connected. The ones who do see that it's connected, they have such a hard time unraveling it because it's a loaded topic. It's a loaded area of life and if you do try to unravel it, it it it's it's just hard. It's hard and, there, and there's not a lot of support around it. There's not a lot of people who know how to tackle it. And you end up feeling even more isolated and even more alone. And also at the same time, you kind of feel um, dejected, I think is the best, maybe the best way to describe it because you don't know how to solve a problem wh- where... Like how do you how do you regulate yourself when your survival is at stake? Like you need to get to a place where your nervous system is regulated around this thing where it depends on your survival. But how do you do that when your survival is at stake? It's really hard. There's not a lot of people who do this kind of work, um, and the ones who do, shout out to you guys because I think that um, I mean I've come across a couple of them, and it's a very small corner of the internet that does this, and a lot of the work around money is not trauma informed. But the ones who do use um, are trauma informed around money. It's incredibly helpful to see the different ways that people choose to uh, to work with it because I know that I wouldn't have been able to 
even get to the point where I'm willing to dive deep into my money trauma had it not been for those people. And so just a shout out to all of them. Um, the thing with severe money trauma, and, I, and again, I'm going to repeat this. I've seen this in victims of narcissistic abuse over and over again in so many different ways. You could be rich, you could be poor, you could be somewhere in the middle, but there is money trauma when you are a victim of narcissistic abuse. And really what happens is like there is the shame that the narcissist is so consumed by because narcissism is deeply, um, is, what it is is a really deeply, um, they, are, they have such deep, all-consuming shame about themselves. But that shame gets transferred onto their victims and they, and then their victims make it all about, and it, it the victims, when they take in that shame, they have a hard time dealing with the things that are important for their survival. So it's not just money. Money's a big one, but um, it shows up with your relationship with food. That's also, at least, you know, for me and my clients, that's a big one. And also around rest. Rest is another one. Um, so many victims of narcissistic abuse is that again, with the dysregulated nervous system, they are constantly just going, 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 going. They don't know how to actually rest and relax themselves because doing resting and relaxing was also something that was weaponized against them. And so, you know, you're not resting and relaxing if you're sitting on the couch scrolling your phone. I do this all the time. It's not restful. It's not relaxation. Um, and like... I see this with with people with AD uh, with ADHD, and they have um, for those who have ADHD and then have narcissistic trauma. Again, I see that correlation a lot. Um, they're constantly being able to go from one thing to the other thing, but they can never actually finish anything. It's just like you're a ping pong ball that keeps getting bounced back and forth, back and forth, back and forth between eighteen different things. Eventually, some of them might get done, but and again, I used to be part of this group, so I am not by any means. Um, discrediting anyone or uh, disparaging anyone. I have been through this myself. I can say that I, with the help of like the right supplements, I'm on the other side of this. I know that if I do certain things, um, make sure I get enough sleep, make sure I take my supplements in the morning and I don't drink coffee in the morning anymore, which is a big thing for me. And I have a protein heavy breakfast. Those four things have set me up to where I can now... Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a legitimately good multitasker without being detrimental to myself. Um, I really only multitask at maybe a top three things at any given time. Um, there are never three things that require the same skill sets for me. Um, so if I am doing something that's mental, um, I can also do something that's physical, but doesn't require a huge mental load for me at the same time. And, um, but I most likely won't be able to talk to you while I'm doing those two things because I need my brain to think to do the one thing. And then I need my body to do the other thing. And then my, my, my mouth is not available to you for me to make words that make sense. <laughs> so, um, I, I've learned how to, multitask without being scattered um, and and discombobulated. But I see it so often with um, ADHD and who are victims of narcissistic trauma of how they're always bouncing around, bouncing around, bouncing around, 
but they never actually get anything done. And then they're constantly in a state of frustration with themselves, but they can't quite pinpoint it. So then they go and try to self-soothe with other things by being distracted with something else, zoning out, doing something else, going, you know, being hyper fixating on something else that will distract them from the fact that they're frustrated with themselves, that they have the, they, they just, they're never actually ever done. And also they never rest and they don't, they also don't always, you know, again, it kind of goes back to the whole thing. They're always, they're also not very good with their money. Okay. They're also not very good with making sure they feed themselves properly. Um, there'll be a lot of snacking, but not necessarily a lot of meals. So they're constantly running on a lot of sugar and carbs, but like not getting enough protein and fat. Like all of these things are connected. Our survival needs, when our survival is weaponized against us, our survival needs, are, our relationship to our survival needs are going to be just distorted and skewed. And Again, money is just one portion of it, but money is kind of like the gateway. You know, um, it can be like, for me, food was the gateway. I'll be honest. For me, food was the gateway. Rest became a thing that I learned about later on. Um, And that was more of decoupling the idea of laziness with rest and understanding that they are not the same thing. And laziness really isn't something that exists. It's just something that was, you know, that was created so that you can make people feel bad about resting when they actually do need to rest. Um, But money, like food and money for me were two of the most dysfunctional relationships that I've had that were complete mirrors of my relationship with my mother. Now, it is hard to really unravel those two especially given now where I have, um, I have to spend more money on my food because I, I'm allergic to gluten and dairy. So gluten-free and dairy-free items in this world right now, everything costs more, but if you, I've always known that like my grocery bill will always be higher than the average person and I will get less from my money because I have to be gluten and dairy-free. And All of those items have always been markedly higher priced than their counterparts that are, have gluten and dairy in them. That's just how this, again, how capitalism has constructed this world. And so for me, my money trauma kind of gets packed in with food because do I feed myself or treat myself to something food wise that, you know, whether I choose to make it myself or if I buy it pre-made, either way, it's going to be expensive. Or do I use that money for something else, but then have to give out on the joy of being able to have a cupcake because I wouldn't be able to have one otherwise. I can't just go and get any cupcake. I have to be able to get one that makes that I make sure doesn't make me sick. So for me, I've had to kind of balance these two um kind of opposing almost, um, or like this tug of war between food and money for me has been going on for years, which is why I think I decided this year that this year was a year that I was going to work through the bulk of it. Because um, the thing isn't so much, you know, I, yes, I have a limited means for the most part, I live within those means, but I would like to make more money. 
especially given this economy, I would like to make more money. I have an avenue where I could make more money. I would like to have more um, coaching clients than I have in the past. Um, uh, before it was a problem of me having being physically able to handle a more heavier client load. I now feel I'm physically at a place where I can handle that. But will I be able to handle um, the money that comes in as a result? Do I trust myself with the money that I would get by having more clients? Also with that, I have to tie in the fact that is it fair for me to make money off of other people wanting to heal their trauma when I still have trauma around this thing that is the key, like that is literally like the worth, my, my, like that literally measures the worth of my survival. Like it's, it's so complicated. It's like this giant ball of yarn that just keeps kind of like toppling on top of itself. You pull one end, it tightens on another end. You pull that end and it tightens off on the, on the opposite. Like it just keeps doing that. And that's why this is, it's, it's a topic that so many people I think avoid. I know I've seen with my clients, I've seen with myself that I will almost work on everything else except for the money part because money tends to tug on all the things that you've actually already worked on. Like I've done my body image. All right. I've, I've worked on my, and I'm, this is all given with the caveat. I have to keep saying this, but I feel like it's necessary. I understand that there is always maintenance work on trauma. There always is, but I've done the bulk of the work around my body image. I've done the bulk of the work around my weight. I've done the bulk of the work around my binge eating. Um, and I've done a lot of work around the receiving of love and admiration and praise, all of that. But when I work on my money trauma, all of those things that I've worked on before come right back up to the surface. All of them. So how do I tackle, do I go in like, you know, and, and I am somebody who is to a certain degree, I am reductive because I'm like, let me look for the, for the one domino that if I, if I work on that one domino and that one falls, there will be a lot of other things that will be resolved without me having to put too much work into that part. You know, you look for the cause, you look for the, the deepest cause that you can work on that. Again, this is like, you know, Ayurvedic medicine works like this. It, it's a big thing of what I do. Um, preventative care is a lot like this. So what is the thing, what is the biggest bang for my buck that I can work on, literally, um, that will then kind of take care of a lot of other things? And for me and for a lot of people what, who are victims of narcissistic abuse, it's money. And the thing that you see with money is like, Money trauma manifests itself in so many different ways. And I always find it funny when people are like amazed at people who have a lot of money, who are spent their careers making a lot of money, um, all like lose all of it or, um, or, or faked it. So for example, gambling, um, fraud around money, um, sneaking around, hiding money, lying about it, they're all symptoms of money trauma. Because the one thing I know for sure that is that if you have no shame around something, you have, you will not lie about it. If you yourself do not feel any shame about something, you will not lie about it. 
But if you have even the ounce of shame, or there is an inclination that you may feel shamed in a certain context, you will lie about it. Even if it is a white lie or a lie of omission, you will lie. And it's always fascinating to me um, how money trauma shows up for people, but it shows up into their lives as other things. Um, I used to do, I went through, I remember um, in college, I had, um, my dad used to, I used to get money, I used to get an allowance from my dad every week. And it was a substantial allowance for a 17, 18 year old girl. Um, it was a lot of money, but that was his way of making sure that I was provided for. And I didn't have, at the time I didn't have loans for school. So he was paying for that too. So my, you know, my dad did his, played his role as a provider and did all that. And we were at the time, you know, financially stable. So he was okay with doing that. But I remember it was, um, toward the end of college and I had started working. So I was getting the allowance from my dad. Um, I was working part-time, so I had that money and my dad had given me a credit card. What that was, um, it was, it was, it it was under his, he was a co-signer on it. So it was really running off of his credit score. I didn't have credit at the time. I, my name was on the card, but I, it was really, the, the limit on the card was because of my dad. It wasn't because of me. So I actually had for, you know, I was like 22 at 21. I wasn't, I, I graduated college at 21. So I was 20. And I had a lot of money for a a 20 year old with no expenses. Like I wasn't paying for housing, you know, food was mostly paid for. I had a lot of money. I went and racked up $10,000 on this American Express card shopping, shopping. And by the way, there weren't a lot of places I had to go wear clothes. I just liked buying them. Like, girl, what the hell are you doing? And that debt followed me for years. It wasn't until like 2013 where that debt finally fell off my credit report because I didn't pay it for seven years. <laughs> like 2013 or 2014 was when it finally fell off my credit my, my, my credit report. But oh my God. And one of them I actually paid. There were two American Express bills. One of them I actually ended up settling with, but the other one fell off eventually. And I could not, like, I think about it now and I'm just like, granted, yes, I was a 20 year old. I should not have been given that much money. I was not taught how to use credit cards or, um, how to be responsible with, I, like, I didn't know any of that. So ignorance is one thing, but girl, you did not need to buy all those clothes. You didn't. It's just, I had never, um, I was just learning how to dress myself. I was working in a mall and I had a discount and I was like, you know what? Clothes are fun. I want to try to like, I was trying, I was figuring out my style and it seemed like a good idea at the time, but my God, like I think about it now and I'm just like, yo girl, you were absolutely stupid. Like you were stupid. What the hell are you doing? And that I internalized that belief that I was dumb around money for another 10 years after that point. Like even after I had kind of settled those two things, I had other credit card issues at that point. By the time those two things were resolved, I had more credit card issues. I had internalized that belief that I was stupid with money for the longest time. 
And it literally wasn't until I was almost like, I was like 30, 31 when I was like, oh God, this shit's got to stop. And I'm still not, I still, I still did not completely stop until it was, it took me a couple more years to finally be able to like get my, my shit handled. But like that, all of that, that, that ignorance about, about money, not being taught it, um, my, the, the combined with the fact that my, my mother, when she found out about the debt was always just like, you're never going to be any good at this. You're just used to being taken care of. And you have no idea how hard we have to work for this. And you'll never be able to survive on your own. And all of those things I internalized about myself, especially after that debacle, because in my head, that debacle was absolute proof that she was right. It wasn't until almost 10, 12 years later that um, I realized that, A, there, yes, some, th- some of the stuff she said about me was true, but a lot of it was also projection on the stuff that was true about her. My mother always came off as very, very secure and knowledgeable about money. She worked at a bank. She always loved to tell us that um, when she was younger and, you know, how she like paid for my dad's way of coming to America and all this jazz. And when I finally, what, right before I went no contact with him, part of the reason that I did so was I had to realize it was all a fraud. Everything she had ever said, some of it was true, but for the most part, at least currently at that time, none of it was true. She had never been good with her money. And her telling me that I would never be was projection a lot on her part that I had to spend years and that I'm still still spending so much time and energy trying to unravel because I know a that I'm smart b that I'm willing to learn about things that I do not know and c that I'm willing to um learn by trial and error as long as I don't make a mistake that's too costly like I'm not going to risk my ability to pay rent (laughs) on on something but I'm willing to learn about something I don't know. I'm not going to go into this thing like I know what to do. But I'm tired of being scared about money and credit cards and credit. And like the entire system's made up. Why the hell am I scared of something that's made up? Only because I don't know what it is. But I had internalized some of her own shame around money and survival and the need to look successful. I had internalized a lot of what she has said about me was really just what she had heard about herself and had internalized about herself. And that whole process was, um, has been, um, for me, at least the last like eight years of me of just, just trying to figure shit out. But trauma, money trauma shows up in so many ways. And I am never going to judge somebody who, you know, uses their paycheck to gamble or spends all their money on what looks like frivolous shit or like, uh, like this new thing on, on Instagram that goes, that's going around that people are like, Oh, like it's like that one audio that goes around with like, Oh, how do you travel so much? I am financially irresponsible. I'm like, you know what? You're doing the best you can. Like, I will give you that. If you are willing to, if, 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 if you find it hard to really sit with the fact that you are using your means of survival and, 
you know, putting it toward whether it's for some people it's drugs, for some people it's travel, for some people it's food, uh, for some people it's shopping, whatever the thing is. You know what? Like I have a lot of compassion for all of us in this boat because we are not, we're purposely not taught this shit. But as also as someone who's in the middle of trying to unravel this crap, just understand that whatever you believe about yourself and money most likely is not true. You have acted in a way that proves it's true. But the original belief itself is most likely not true because really what it means is that somebody implanted that belief in you and then you took it and ran with it. And so you went to go on proving that it was true. But most likely what your problem is, is that you don't know. You're just ignorant about this thing that is made up but controls all of our lives. Anyway, I've already gone on longer than I wanted to. So I am going to stop here. I will have the second part of this episode, which is more stuff. Um, and we're, I'm going to dive a little bit more into the symptoms of money trauma. And then and I will share what I am doing to work through this stuff that in case this helps anybody. But hopefully this episode was really was really about kind of just giving a background and understanding where the trauma comes from. I think it's always helpful to know where it comes from so that when you try to displace it, you don't feel like you're displacing some part of yourself. And because that's really what, when you feel like you have to give up some part of yourself in order to heal, that's, that's honestly the hardest part of healing. Yes, you do. You have to give up the part of yourself that has always thought that you're, this is just how I am. No, this is how the traumatized version of you is. You yourself, if you it, are you yourself, I, I guarantee you, underneath all of the crap, you don't want yourself to live in a constant state of stress. And money is a source of a lot of stress for a lot of people. And so hopefully we can work together and kind of just make sense of it and work through it so that a lot of this stress doesn't exist anymore. Or if whenever it does come up, you know how to deal with it. All right. Thanks so much for listening to me today, guys. And I will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Cherished You podcast. If you could please leave me a review, um, subscribe and share. It really helps get the podcast out to those who it will help the most.